everybody. Welcome to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and today I have, like, two very special guests in studio. One, you're not going to hear my regular co-host, Brian Fromm. You're going to hear my cute co-host, my husband, Kevin Sampson. Great to be here, Aubrey. We love having you here. here. And then Kevin and I are joined in studio. This is really fun for us. We are joined by Krista Hardin. She's the author of a new book called The Enneagram in Marriage. She's a counselor. She has her own counseling center in Tampa, Florida. She has a very popular podcast called Enneagram and Marriage. It has over a million downloads. And we've already been chatting with her a little bit about the Enneagram and marriage, and we know you are going to love this conversation. So, Krista, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. I'm so glad to be here. This is going to be fun. Yeah, this is yeah, so well. fun. Okay. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I just have a lot of questions. I know. Let's... About our marriage, about the Enneagram. <laughs> we're going to have... We're but gonna this have... is not my show, so you go ahead. <laughs> we're going to have Krista counsel us yes. on air in front of everybody. But before we do that... Just make me look good, Krista. <laughs> That's all I'm... <laughs> That's all you're asking. That's your only standard. Um, okay. I do want a big picture. We're saying a word Enneagram, assuming our listeners know what that is. They might not. So, Krista, can you, like, just big picture what's the Enneagram? And then what does it have to do with marriage? Oh, such a good question. And I really love to just let people know in its simplest form, the Enneagram just means nine types. Mm. That's just the Greek form. And so it's love nine that. personality types that we've sort of divided people up into, whereas some of the other systems get a bit more bulky and complex. It's a little more sleek, elegant. And the Enneagram system actually goes more than just a behavioral look. It goes down to the depths of why people act the way they do, yeah. which is so helpful when you're trying to bring in compassion mm. towards marriage, yes. help people to find healthier ways to self-soothe and to keep each other calm and regulated. <laughs> so it's a great system for working with couples. It's been a really cool addition to my marriage therapy work. Oh, I love that. And how long have you been diving into the Enneagram? About eight years. Okay, now. that's awesome. So, yeah, I started with the Ian Cron, Suzanne Stabile, yep. uh, back to you dive. You guys have been in it even longer, though. It's so wild. We, I was telling you off air, we were, Kevin and I were introduced to the Enneagram by a friend of mine from college over 20 years ago, we were, Amazing. I mean, I don't, were we married or just engaged or something? We might have been engaged. So we were like 21. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just really fascinating. And we were fascinated by it because. It was pretty spot on. It was spot <laughs> on. At least we felt that way. We're like, this is. We both were like, these are our secret souls <laughs> yeah. on the page. And what, what I'm interested to talk to you about, Krista, is it helped us. Like there are times now, the Enneagram, like you said, is made up of numbers. Kevin's a seven. I'm a four. Ever since that, we've been able to go, oh, I'm just having a really four day or this moment feels very seven and feels very four. Can we talk about that? And just to ha- have that language has given us, like you said, compassion for one another and the ability, I think, to see each other a little more clearly and, and things like that. OK, so what yeah, would be the best, what's the best way to use the Enneagram? I think the best way is to use it to help yourself to figure out what you're struggling with and what you're really gifted at. Mm. I think our tendency as people is to try to pinpoint our spouses or even pigeonhole them into a type. But the best work we can do is as an individual to say, 
here's who I am. Here's how I seem to be struggling. And uh, let me be uh, compassionate to myself, but also let me sort of own this in my marriage Mm, to my partner that you might be right. But here's why I do what I do. So it gives you and your partner uh, a sense of you're not picking at them and you're not just calling them out. Mm. You're saying, here's my own work to do. And that is so attractive mm-hmm. to the other spouse, quite honestly. Yeah, that's – wow. That's actually yeah, I really do. true. That's good. Often, like those categories of – the least of the ones that we've gone through is it will be healthy, unhealthy. There will be like a middle of the road. And I'll be reading through like the unhealthy part and I'm like, no, no. Oh. <laughs> Uh, oh, she's not reading this. <laughs> she is. She's always reading it. <laughs> but it, there's just a lot of – it just gave me a lot of categories for self-reflection. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Good. I'm so glad. And what a gift you guys had that early in mm-hmm. marriage. I love to catch couples at that stage. Yeah. It's been really, really helpful. Okay. So let's talk about that. So you're meeting with a couple, Krista, in marriage counseling or premarital or what have you. And you're helping them identify what their Enneagram type is, then what? So when we get to the here's my type, we try to ask each other, of course, we know there's nature and nurture. So some of this is just who you were born to be. Like, mm. I know I'm a type seven. And in my baby book, it says baby Krista has a heart of joy. No and way. I'm like, oh, I was a seven always, even before the Aww. trauma. <laughs> And so there's that piece of just like, here's our gifts. But then we can also unpack like what really solidified uh, the harder parts about our personality type. Mm -hmm. And so that helps to have those conversations too with each other right there in the the therapy room or in your own home because that really gives you guys a curiosity versus a condemnation for each other. So good. good. Yeah, that's really good. Um, okay, so I, let's get personal for a minute, if that's okay. So you just said you're a seven. Kevin I'm is seven. also seven. You want to mm-hmm. explain to the listeners what that even means? I can explain it really quickly. I feel like Krista. Yeah, we you should really let Krista do dive. it. It's more of an adventure. Yeah. And if I could only live as an adventurer, <laughs> I would. <laughs> um, but you have to have a job. You've got to return home <laughs> and uh, things like that. Yeah, what... How would you describe a seven? I think the seven is often thought of as Epicurean, where we're looking for new things, discoveries. I think we experience the world kinetically through Mm. movement. So it's really hard to be stagnant. And and it's not always good for us. Sometimes we think the work we have to do is that we're no longer this adventure. And I think it's more (laughs) about balance and finding some rest. And so the virtue of seven is coming into that sobriety, and each type has a a virtue and a vice. And, of course, for us, we could get so bogged down by our adventuring, like you said, that we are not there for our people. We're not able to hold deep things for our partners, and that is not fair to anybody, including ourselves. So we have to do our work, too. Um, Okay, so, Krista, you said earlier you're married to a one. Yes. Kevin, as a seven, is married to a four. Maybe unpack. Describe a four. Yeah, describe I was just saying. Four. I, yeah, describe a four. And, and, well, we're asking too many questions. Describe a four. Because what I want to do is talk about your marriage dynamic, seven and one, and then okay. our marriage dynamic, yeah. seven Ooh, and four. That, that really unpacks how we're different with each person. 
So that is so cool that we can do that. That'll be fun. Yes. So with a one, my husband is the improver. And so he's always looking for error. And his job is medical. Mm. It works so beautifully as a (laughs) medical provider because he will be like, he discovered a heart attack through a neck one time. He's like, I saw this bulging, you know, this depth. And he can like pick up on heart murmurs and just diagnose so well. Wow. Uh, And so he's just so good at his field and he's like the t- they were just telling him this week they're like your notes are the best out of over 100 uh, physicians and PAs will you make a template for everybody else he's like why yes I will the one. <laughs> oh, he was so excited he celebrated that and so but then the hard part of that as he says is he brings it home sometimes yeah. and it's intense so you'll be like I did this or that like let's celebrate that and he's like what about this <laughs> Average. <laughs> exactly. And plus he does so much so well that like you couldn't even write out a list because he's probably like, it's like, well, what did you do today? You know, I saw four clients. Maybe I helped the kids. And then he's like, well, I also saw not four, but 20 <laughs> client patients who are crying, diagnosed lung cancer, breast issues, you know, anything and everything. And then I played with the kids all night because I'm a good boy. Because <laughs> I do everything that's right. Yeah. And so you learn like, let's learn grace. Let's not yeah. try to count. And so we've really enjoyed the Enneagram. <laughs> I do. I have a good friend who's a one. Aww. And I always walk away, and I've said this to him, and we have a great relationship. And I'm like, I just feel like a hack. <laughs> just like, will you stop making me feel that way? And he's not trying to do that. No, I'm like, he just does things by <laughs> really the book. Really well. Yeah, I'm like. Really rightly. That's just not how I do it. Yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> and, and when a one gets to spend time with a seven or a four, there's such permission for them to have that let down also. And I don't mean like a let down. I yeah, mean yeah. like truly just letting down the stress mm. and the high energy that they carry in their shoulders and in their backs. And they all often experience a somatization of issues. So mm, they really well. feel the invitation to rest or play with yeah, others. So yeah. as you can imagine, the one-seven dynamic, yeah. there's a lot of play because my husband needs that. Mm. And in fact, sometimes we rub where I'm like, I'm ready for rest. And he's just getting ready for that He's like, but I finally time. learned to play. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so our vacations, I'm like, okay, but I need like a little time with my book. Uh, and so it's really beautiful to see the dynamic I already shared some of the hard parts, but that's yeah. one of the sweet spots is adventuring together oh, I love that. and both working hard in tandem or, you know, movers. Now we get to the seven and the four and we have somebody who will, the four is more of a creative like yeah. yourself, right? Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? And then I'll share a little bit too about Yeah, four. sure. The four is kind of the individualist or the artist. And so I'm a writer. And so that's where my creativity comes out. In fact, we were driving here to the studio today and I was like, I can't do that. I'm just an artist. Like we definitely put our identity a little bit in that piece of us, but it's also a true piece of us Mm. that fours like to kind of mine the depth of often hard things, hard emotions and try to create something meaningful or beautiful out of it. Oh, my gosh. And that is just such a gift to the rest of the world who is bustling. I often think of this country, uh, the U.S., as a type three achiever culture Mm. or the seven and the one. And like you already heard me say, we're moving and we're shaking. And the four just invites the seven uh, into a space of you're allowed to rest. Yeah. You're allowed to take your time and do things beautifully Mm. and to finish. Mm. And it's such a gift because the seven is like. It's not like sevens are running so fast because they're just like 
only about experiences. Right. Part of it is because we're like, I have to do this because I have to carry this weight all by myself. Yeah. yeah. And to feel like you have a partnership, it can be hard at times because the four can feel like, hey, there's a weight if they're not pulling their their mm-hmm. load. But when they start to get moving, which is a really good thing for fours is to get in movement because mm-hmm. they're, uh, you know, withdrawing types and they can be movement inhibited. Yeah. Uh, it can really feel like, OK, now you slow me down, but we're going at a nice, even pace. Mm. Have you guys experienced that? That's such a good question. I, I feel like everybody's slow. <laughs> yeah. I feel like everybody everywhere is slow. Yeah. And so being able to... Be, he's like a, a seven and a futurist. Being able so to, he's, if everybody's slow, obviously something's yeah. up with me. Not everybody's <laughs> yeah. slow. So that's been helpful. But I, yeah, I definitely do feel... A, yeah, there's definitely a dynamic where I just feel like... Why? Why can't she? Why won't she just like take this kind of step? Mm-hmm. We're just like makes logical sense. To me. We're actually having a you. conversation on the way here about something where yeah. I was like, "But yeah, I was explaining somehow if this could work this way, but it, it won't work that way because you just need a little more like stability." And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Yep, yeah, yeah that's accurate. That's really accurate." Oh. Hey, we're talking with Krista Harden, author Harden, author of the Enneagram in Marriage. I'm going to say that whole thing again. Hey, we're talking with Krista Harden, author of the Enneagram in Marriage talking about our unique pairings as couple and what God might be doing in that. We're going to continue our conversation with her when we return. Uh, We've been talking a little bit about how the Enneagram works in our marriage and in other marriages. And uh, do you have any more thoughts, Kevin, about our marriage and the Enneagram? So many. Um, Well, part of it is I want to hear more about how you started your podcast, why you did that, and then it will kind of connect to some other things. Okay, sure. So... I was really just blown away by how much my own marriage was blessed by the Enneagram, even amidst all the other psychological assessments I'd been doing, because I was always that person on staff, even before I opened my own center over a decade ago. The one I previously worked at, they would always send me the hard-hitting, heavy assessments because I have that thinking brain, and I Mm. was one of the few who wanted that. But then when I saw this lighter, sleeker tool, I was like, and it goes so deep, this is a win-win, so let's do this. And then I had my first couple and it helped their marriage so much. They were in the midst of something very deep and painful. Mm. And I was able to see they were a 9-3 couple, how much it really blessed them to have a tool to give the compassion, the backstory of what had happened and where they could go and what their unique gifts were. That it made me want to start an Instagram page to get a little more nuanced and niche oriented, especially because my practice started to get busier. And I'm like, I need to niche now. Yeah. And then yeah. it was like, what are you known for? And I just thought, this is, everyone's asking about the Enneagram. This is it. So, this yeah. is it. so then from the Instagram page, I started to invite counts, uh, counseling clients in. And of course, then that started to get too busy. So then I started to worry a little bit because I'm, uh, you know, it, the seven that I am, it, we're in that anxiety triad where we're head types and we're always thinking. So I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to take care of everybody? And that was such a bigger, better way to do it is to have a podcast. Of course, fully knowing there's so many other great tools out there. Yeah, of course. People coming my way needed a bit more. And this has been such a great way. I feel like I get to give coaching right on the air. That's awesome, Krista. Thank you. So cool. Okay, what was your thought? I want to know where you're... Where are you leading our well, guest here, Sam? Well, you, you, obviously you can love the Enneagram. You don't have to start a podcast. Um, there's something in the seven type where oh, yeah. like, we, I like to something. start things and yeah. get things going. Yeah. And 
the rub in our marriage can be the like, hey, let's start something. And she's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I don't uh, want to start it's just, things. It's, there's a lot of fear yeah. for mm. her yeah. as a four and a lot of just excitement yeah. to doing mm. things like that. We've started things together, wow. but it's usually we're 10 years apart. So yeah. Kevin and I mm. launched a church together eight years ago. He he would have planted it 20 years ago. It took me another 10 years to be like, now I can that's, start with that, you. That's the yeah. dynamic of yeah. our marriage. So, so you're wow. a starter, too, as a seven. Yeah, that's yeah. fascinating that it was this, like you said, it takes 10 years to totally. do something. And that's cool. I, we understand that a little more now. Yeah, yeah. But it and was, I think you understand there was a lot how... of years where I lacked patience. Right. Didn't understand as much mm. of that dynamic. Yeah. Where now I can, like, say something. I'll be like, ah, maybe in a couple of years she'll, like, <laughs> she'll get she'll there. Catch up. Yeah. But, well, I think that some of that comes also from the seven, as I mentioned, sits in the head or anxiety triad, whereas the heart uh, is where you sit first. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so what's neat about the four is they're feelers and they love to emote. And so when the seven is moving too fast, <laughs> we're leaving feelings behind. And that's really the feeling for a four is fours cannot get enough time with the people that they love. Mm. They already feel a lack of being understood and shortage of time. So when yeah. the seven is bustling ahead for more and more and more, if they can manage to hold the four's emotion, and this would be a good tip for you long term, to manage the emotions and carry the relationship well and do it, I think there's less of a reticence. But when you're like feeling like you're, you know, going so fast, you're leaving her behind or she's feeling that, it's a good time to say, like, are we getting enough relational care to make this reasonable to move ahead? If not, we mustn't do it because the four mm. has to have time above all. Mm. Wow. This ah, is that so interesting. Yeah. Resp- how does that feel to you? <laughs> No, I'm yeah, no, I'm curious. Uh, no, I think that's really accurate. Like a fear can be like, will I be cared for in the process? Will our family yeah. be cared for in the right. process? Will we all be okay? Or yeah, yeah. And I think we've seen that. You know, we've seen that play out over the years, which is really, which is really fun. Um, Krista, I'm interested in faith and the enneagram. So, how do you feel like? Like Kevin and I are both people of faith. We believe that God, you know, put us together with our types on purpose because mm-hmm. there's something he wanted to shape in us. Yes. How have you seen that play out in your practice? Have you seen that play out in your marriage? What are your thoughts about that as mm. a therapist and as a Christian? Yeah, such a great question. I think that it's so helpful to know that you're loved, wanted, and that when you think about your personality type, it's beautiful to realize you were created with a purpose. Mm. That matters more and speaks to us more for mental health than just mere self-care and self-interest. To be able to say, I was made and here's my gifts, I think there's such a delight in that. So I love when people can put faith on. And of course, we all have a compassion when people just don't. Uh, But I think that it can really help also in the marriage realm because we can otherwise assume our partner has to do everything and be everything for us Mm. and they can't. And so when they fall short or we see them in their type issues, which is going to happen all the time, even if we're giving great advice to ourselves, we can still fall short because we're humans. And so (laughs) even if we know what to do, we don't always do it. And then that spouse hopefully will also spend some time with God each day to replenish and to Mm. go to their creator and say like, 
here's my my load. Here are my laments, and mm-hmm. I want to bring them to you, God, and then hopefully get enough self-care that we can give and refresh our spouses mm-hmm. without putting it all on them. That's so and I good. think when we can do that with God and also that self-replenishment, it's not that you need tons and tons of self-care, but just a little each day uh, to regulate yourself. Now you can speak your gifts out more into your spouse's life, mm-hmm. and then you guys can actually do the exciting work in middle marriage is when it usually happens where you sort of immerse and then you find yourself asking, who are we together? What are the ways we shine? And what are the shadows that we could bring if we're not being intentional? Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. I do. Yeah. I, I want to go back to something you said, because that word just reminded me earlier when we were talking, you mentioned the shadow side of numbers and the light side of numbers. Yes. And you just kind of mentioned that again, if we can draw each other out of the shadow side or, or mm-hmm. something like that. Yes. Talk to us about for Enneagram people who don't know what that or for people who don't know what that means, yes. the, these different sides of numbers. What are you talking about? Oh, I love that. So what we really want to look at is that and I know Brian mentioned mentioned this earlier too, that when we're at our best, each of our types looks beautiful. It's gifted Mm. and we have things we're doing to produce in the world. We also know how to rest. And there might be something like we already said the the creative four or the joyful seven, but let's say the two is such a giver and a helper. But there's this underbelly of each as well called the vice of the Enneagram. Mm. And so when we are stuck there, our virtue is masked. And that just happens when we're in stress and we're not using healthy self-soothing tools. Mm. And so some people are doing their Enneagram work without even knowing it because they're just trying to learn good self-soothing. And I love that. When you know the Enneagram, you have a nuanced way to figure out how you're shining and how you're in that shade. Yeah, I think that's so good. And I'll let you sevens talk in just a minute. But like for a four, my my unhealthy self-soothing would be like escape through fantasy where I kind of create a whole false Mm. version of myself, my life, my, and I can live in what's not actually real and what's not actually present and then lose gratitude thing for what God actually Mm. is doing in my life. And so that 20 years ago when we learned the Enneagram and I was like, that's Mm. what I do. That was really healing Mm. just to have the Lord even identify that so that I can begin to experience freedom. And when I go there, even now, I can go, oh, wait, no, that's not good brain work. That's not good heart work. I have to come back to the present. And just that work that once you're aware, I think then the Lord can help shape and sanctify you in that area. Mm. Sevens, you guys are, uh, well, I'll let you answer for yourself, your Mm. shadow sides Mm. or how you, how you self-soothe. Yeah. I, movement, Mm. you said. That feels like the healthy one though. Yeah. Um, It can be, but like, um, but it, it can like. Keep going and going. If gotcha, I gotcha. I don't feel like I have enough hours in the day to do the things that I want to do. Yeah. Mm. I don't think I have enough years in my life. Mm. And it can feel like a weight. Mm. Like, how am I going to do all this mm. fun, great stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I think we, yeah, we external, we don't, uh, we avoid pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. We avoid emo- like those deep hard emotions, and I, yeah. in a lot of ways, that's been the gift of being married <laughs> mm. to a four. Where I'm like, mm. she is so like lost in <laughs> some feeling, <laughs> um, but it, it has helped me. <laughs> it, it has helped me feel, mm. um, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, avoiding um, some yeah. I always hated the question, "Hey, how are you doing?" Because mm. internally, I'm like, dude, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. 
that's the yeah. last question I, I want to ask. So, we, yeah, how am I doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm doing this. That's going well. Yeah. I'm doing this thing. That feels really good. And that doesn't really yeah. – yeah, you're really not dealing with your kind of internal life in any way. Mm. So avoiding that is – avoiding emotions is a way of – Yeah. Of, but the gift has been like, I be married to you, I cannot avoid them. Right. Like, not been allowed just, to. Like, feel, mm. And people actually think – I feel deeply, but I'm like, I just think you know my wife. <laughs> yes, that's probably true. That is so fascinating. Oh, that's so fascinating. All right. We we have so much more to talk about. Krista, are you up for sticking around yes, a little bit longer? Okay, we'll continue this conversation when we return here listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Um, I realize we didn't really tell people how they can find out what their Enneagram type is. Practically speaking, like, how do you know your number? I think it's helpful to read and learn if you go to the Enneagram Institute or if you want to test truity.com, T-R-U-I-T-Y, has a very nice pie chart because you can see what you're high in. And maybe you find out out of the nine types you are showing up as like a three or an eight. And then you could do some reading Mm. to really discover which one you are because it's very helpful to know which exact type you are. I also want to welcome you to my website, enneagramandmarriage.com, because I have a nice uh, worksheet for finding out your type that just delves into the deepest diving questions. Mm. So I really think that's a great freebie to grab too if you want to use that alongside a test. So it's good. worth it to dig a little bit. Yeah, that's good. A couple comes to you, Krista, and most couples need help at some season in their marriage, and it's it's rough. What? How do you? How does the enneagram help? How do you help? I think that when a couple comes, the first thing I want to check in with is how are they refreshing themselves? Because if we Mm. think of the analogy of like a cell phone battery, which everyone uses their smartphone Mm. nowadays, we might as well. But uh, if you're on a a red or depleted zone, you can't really do any work for conflict resolution. So the first thing I always want to recommend to any listeners or anybody out there is just doing your work to make sure that you're getting your basic window of tolerance open is so huge. Just your sleep and your health and fitness, those things will help you to be able to get enough regulation to then say that term again, window of tolerance. Yes, just your window of tolerance so that you can tolerate talking about hard things. Mm. Yeah. And so that's so key because we can't even talk about conflict if you're like, I am, you know, this happens a lot where like we have, yeah, so much stress and so stretched and we have zero time together. So I get couples on a very basic, like six hours a week of trying to just spend quality time and emotional, physical, spiritual self-care every day. And what does it look like? And we might have to troubleshoot there for a little while because it takes some time to put new systems in place. Yeah. And then once we get those new systems in place, now we can look with compassion and say, oh, okay, let's learn our types and Mm -hmm. let's see uh, what we're really showing up like together and also giving grace. And you have to constantly help people to learn from a positive space because people get very defensive right away. We get very scared and go into our defense strategies, whether it be fight, flight, freeze, freeze, or, or fawn. And so 
when we feel safe together, then we can really start to uncover mm. what's going on mm. and say, yeah, you're yeah. right. I am an eight and I can be a challenger mm. and I can push too hard or I am a five and I am afraid to spend myself emotionally. I'm afraid I would lose myself. And so yeah. when we can be honest like that, then our spouse is like, oh, okay. Like totally. now I can show up more for you knowing this underlying fear has been threatening you. And we can even speak strength and peace to our spouse. Wow. And we have these nuanced ways of doing it. Ugh. So beautiful. It, I love. I think that piece of the window of tolerance is so yeah. important because even just like Such a great term. And hearing in hearing <laughs> you say that, Krista, like even to have enough, like be slow and and be full and be rested enough to engage in that mm-hmm. conflict in a way that you can have compassion instead of just escalating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That takes some perspective <laughs> that I think you can only have when you're rested and well-fed. And Aubrey all and I so do good. have a gift of escalation. <laughs> we <Yes>. definitely do. <laughs> a gift. I love we've, that, Kevin. We've, we can one-up Oh yeah, we Each can. Other. Really fun. <laughs> yeah. Really special and neat and beautiful. We, we recognize it now. That probably took twenty years to so yeah. be like, oh, oh yeah, this maybe isn't a good. Just, we should just. This isn't not a good escalate. pattern, let's just right? Let's take do something different. <laughs> yes, this is totally normal. It's so normal. There's so many different types types of couples out there, and even the ones who are like. Uh, more active in their conversation and more vibrant and emotional, which you're going to get with a lot of fours and sevens together. Uh, that's not really de- the deterrent for marriage. What's more is if we are not positive in our conflict styles. Yeah. So mm. that would be just a great simple tip for you and everybody is when you can be a ratio of five to one with positives to negatives during conflict, that really is a great uh, divorce reducer out wow. there just to be able to really say, I understand, or I'm curious about that. Tell me more. I'm listening. This is so brave of you to tell me this and vulnerable. Like, And then, you know, to be able to give a complaint, but not a criticism of who they are as a person, but to say, yet this is still bothering me that mm. you're showing up late or that you're barking at me. Mm. So it's important to have these others, or I don't think people will hear us at all. Give oh, us, man. unpack a little bit more the difference between a complaint yeah, and a that's criticism. Good. Mm-hmm. That good is a good question. So a complaint looks like just addressing a behavior that's been stressing you out or making you feel unloved or unwanted or whatever your trigger is. And it can help you guys to even bring the Enneagram into that and say, you know, I notice you're a nine and you often feel unheard, but lately uh, I don't feel that I'm not hearing you. Is this perhaps a nine thing? Mm. Uh, or maybe it is. You're right. I have been abrasive lately. I've been talking over you. And so the Enneagram can give you some language to just give a behavioral complaint and to talk it out. But what a, a criticism does is it attacks you at the root. You are bad. And it okay. uh, it assumes the fundamental attribution error of humanity that most of us do carry, unfortunately, into marriage, which is, I'm a little bit healthier. My trauma's not as bad as yours. <laughs> totally. I'm the hero. You're sort of the yes. villain. Yes. <laughs> so that's a criticism, unfortunately. That was a big, in some of our that marriage counseling, that's been some work we've had to learn, is like, is just like, Oh, wait, we don't necessarily place a value on that difference. Like, just yeah. because he go- approaches it in a way Huge. I don't, that doesn't mean I'm yeah. good, he's bad. Right. We just approach it in different ways. It's and different. <laughs> yeah. yes. it's different. Like, healthy people can, yeah, can just be go, okay oh, they're different. Other people's differences. <laughs> yeah, yes. without putting like a value statement on it. Harder yes. to do when emotions are hyped up, yes. but certainly it's something true. we've tried to learn in our. In our years. So good. So it's 
so true. But that that <laughs> and just so taking basic. a deep breath would take us so far just to regulate ourselves, to mm. just breathe into it. Or like you said, some self-care where you're taking a walk or a quick yeah. break to just regulate. Oh, so good. Krista, I want to come back to our conversation and wrap up our time with you talking about kids and the Enneagram mm-hmm. for our married couples out there who have children. Yes. So stick around. We'll continue our conversation with Krista Hardin when we return. Can we switch a little about to kids and the Enneagram if we've got uh, couples out there that are married and have children? At what point do you suggest you begin like, oh, what number is what number are we discovering here? Like at what point do you begin kind of paying attention for that parenting from that or to that? Mm. Do you? Yeah, I'll just leave it there. You know, I think that most people want to caution you from using the Enneagram before somebody's developmentally ready. But what's really helpful, honestly, about the tool is that because our personalities are formed usually between the first few years of life, you might really be blessed in your parenting by using the tool, mm. at least in a uh, you know a lighter way when they're fairly young, uh, around 11 or 12 or 13. I know okay. that was super helpful for both of my daughters. They really like shone so much brighter because we had this tool. Wow. And it was part of their testimonies. It's been part of their empowerment in their teen years as teen leaders. It's been amazing to have the sense for this is who I am and this is where I'm going. And these are some of the things I deal with as weaknesses. And we've always held it that if you do decide as an adult that you don't have this type, there's no pressure on you to feel like you have to carry this label with you. We want to use person first, parenting language always. So be Mm. sure you don't do that to your kids in the negative way, but to use it as some lift off to help them to find their voices and who they are. And then with my son, he has been between two numbers for a while, so we just say he's six-ish, seven-ish, and Mm. it's been a gift. I think that another great way for parents to use the Enneagram with their kids is just to distinguish whether they seem to be a gut instinct type like our eights, nines, and ones, a heart type like our twos, threes, and fours, or a thinking type like our fives, sixes, and sevens, because then we can distinguish, are you that justice eight, nine, or one where you're really you have a gift in right or wrong, mm. and we can hone that. Are you a heart type where you have a gift in feelings, and we can help you to set boundaries and, wow. and use that? Or are you a thinking type who's very analytical, and we can help you to find self-soothing around anxiety? Mm. So I think these are gifts to our parenting. Oh, that's so insightful. Isn't that interesting, like, thinking about our boys with those three, that triad in mind? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really interesting. So glad. Can I ask a question? Please. So this is a little different than what we were talking about before, but I'm thinking about um, people who are uh, whose faith feels like it's kind of falling apart. Mm. They are, yeah, deconstructing maybe a term they've experienced something in a church or mm. in their place of work or something that just kind of shattered their mm. view of God and and what they all thought. How yeah how how would you yeah, what would you how does how can the Enneagram be even helpful in a process like that in someone's life? I think it's helpful to to notice what you might be struggling with in terms of maybe you're a thinking type who you're thinking so much that you've almost thought God out of the picture. And Mm -hmm. to be able to say to yourself, you know, I'm coming into the presence of God with my five senses like a body type would do uh, and just start to look at the world with gratitude. And I'm allowing myself the freedom to feel as a whole person and to know that I'm allowed to take time to think versus just plan and strategize. Uh, I think that 
uh, just to feel is a gift to somebody who is longing for a connection with God because when we are just in our heads all the time, or maybe we're moving because we're in that culture, like I said, where we're just moving all the time, there's no room for God. But when you truly stop and you allow yourself time to really consider the beauty of the world, to see it with your eyes, to go slow enough to feel it with your heart, uh, there's a sense of wonder that returns to you. And there's a sense of appreciation and gratitude that make it difficult to not see a creator's imprint. Mm. And then you start to really give allegiance back to your creator just to say, thank you for this. And you're probably so much bigger than I could ever understand. I know Augustine said, you know, those who think they understand God probably don't. That's, you know, botching it up a bit. But, (laughs) you know, God is just bigger than all of this. So just to be able to, to stop and reflect and consider and lament and show gratitude will bring us back. Oh, it's yeah, so, so good. good. Um, Chris, I want to ask you one last question, and it's a phrase you use in your book. I'm guessing you use it on your podcast as well. The Enneagram Glow. What is that? What's the Enneagram glow? I love it. Thank you. Well, I just started to notice that couples really do shine together. And of course, in those early happy years, you're like, oh my gosh, they just bring out the best in me. And it could be simple things like now I'm a Chicago Cubs fan and I never cared about that before. Or, you know, I'm all of a sudden doing this fun Orange Theory fitness and they got me working out. And uh, and I think that we just shine brighter together in those early years. And then I think we fall sort of into the shadows, like we said, of middle marriage. Yeah. But when we're really uh, doing the work, immersing, allowing in for that healthy self-soothing that we talked about, opening our window of tolerance, we come to that space of realizing that we're allowed to shine, even if we need to take our time to balance things out. Mm. And we shine brighter, deeper, richer, farther. And there's a sense of like, wow, there's this almost afterglow to it. Like, okay, mm. I have this great vision for what we could be, and I'm starting to see us play it out. And that's the specific way we cast a light together. So maybe there's a couple listening who's like, yeah, I'm a peacemaker and I'm somebody over here who's really good at protecting. And we see that together, they protect me and give me a voice. And then I go and mediate and make peace in the world. And that's our light that we carry. Mm. That's our glow. So I love to help couples find their particular ways of shining. That is really precious. I love that. What's our glow, babe? We'll find out. I mean, I have some ideas. For <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah, you don't. He's 10 years ahead. He knows the glow. I got to get there. Krista, exactly. it has been so great yeah, to have you. So thank you so much for thank spending for so much time book. with us. Yeah. Thank you for you do. Yeah. Thank Where you can guys. our listeners find and follow you? Where can they grab a copy of the book for themselves? Oh, well, thank you for making such a deep and rich conversation for us today. You guys can find the book at enneagramandmarriage.com or Amazon, Baker Bookhouse, or wherever you buy books. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.